My name is Trent. My name is Ben. We are from Orange County, California, and we do not listen to I Doubt It with Dalimore. Though if it was just Britney pronouncing names wrong, that shit would be hilarious. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right. At it again. Welcome to the show, this 133rd edition of your favorite twice-weekly show filled with news. News. And ridiculous comment. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. I, of course, am your host, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting across from me, of course, my co-host, the birthday girl herself, Brittany Page. Yes, it's my birthday. <laughs> I'm Yay. so excited. Yeah, it's really <laughs> exciting. Yeah, birthday girl. Getting a lot of a lot of love on Facebook, I see, mm-hmm. as is the, the new way of doing things. Well, not just on Facebook, also in other places. Well, I'm just saying, typically what happens is everybody reaches out on Facebook because it's so easy. Right. And you don't get a lot of traditional love, phone calls and such. Are you saying you've, you've gotten a lot of traditional reaching out? Yes, quite a bit. Oh, wow. Yes. You have a very traditional... Uh, fan base base of love i i guess i do but my favorite phone call was from my nephew who just turned six wow yeah he's very cute and very smart and very funny and how did uh how'd that go a lot of birthday wishes bestowed because usually Little kids are more preoccupied with themselves and what they've got going on than they are with you and your thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that that <laughs> happened. That definitely happened. Um, he kind of left the phone for a little bit, but then he came back. Um, <laughs> but it was really cute because while I was talking to him, he just randomly at one point said, my mom changes the DNA in plants. <laughs> And of course, he's referring to the fact that his mom is a biotech scientist and she right. works on GMOs. And it was the greatest thing that I've ever heard. It's the cutest thing I've ever heard. Well, that's an interesting, an interesting thought, though, looking at it from that perspective. That you know, in several years, the children who are now little kids, when they're adults, they will have grown up with GMOs being the way of the world. Right. The fear mongering and all the craziness and the conspiracy theories won't necessarily be as readily available or believed because of the fact that the science will win out or will have won out by that time. Right. Well, and his mom places an emphasis on scientific literacy, even though he's just six years old. Yes, that's what got to start sometime. Right. So he he's learning about, you know, what she does for a living and what it means. And I think that it's good because, like you said, he's going to grow up with just, yeah, GMOs are a normal thing. And, yeah, they're important. Yeah. And this is what people do. And I think it's good, obviously. Yeah, it's awesome. And but it was cute because he's six years old. Right. And talking about DNA and plants, and it was just awesome. I don't know why you don't record every phone call, because I would love a drop of a little kid saying, My mom changes the DNA <laughs> in plants. I would love that. Yeah, I I wish I had it as my text message ringtone <laughs> or something. Then every time it went off, people would look at me like, what the hell is that? Yeah, especially the anti-GMO nutters. Yeah, well, when I'm coming out of the grocery store, you know, Greenpeace, <laughs> they'd be very upset anytime I got a text message. Very funny. But happy birthday. Thank you. Nice to see that you're still alive and kicking after another year. Yes, it's remarkable since I lead such a rough life. It's a rough and tumble existence yeah. that you have. Yeah. I mean, you, you really are... Bungee jumping constantly <laughs> and driving fast. Yeah, I am reckless. A very extreme sport type of lifestyle <laughs> that Brittany Page leads. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, before we move on, I'd like to thank our newest Patreon supporter, Jason. He is the latest to join the ranks of the supporters of the show. 
and we appreciate it very, very much. If you'd also like to join those ranks, go to patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore and you can do so. And thank you, Jason, from me, since I wasn't talking. <laughs> Are you sure? I think the audience may get us confused at some times. Yeah, I think, I think so, too. Without the disclaimer that I often play. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. Without that disclaimer, I think people might not know the difference between our two voices, because your voice, as you were trying to indicate prior to the mics going hot, you're trying to practice your low voice. Yeah, well, I, I was just practicing it while we were checking the levels of the mic. I'm not actually trying to talk like that. This is how I talk. Right. No, mm-hmm. that is actually how you talk. Yes. Yeah. I get accused of the one who has the podcast voice, <laughs> the broadcaster voice. Well, you just naturally have a broadcasting yeah, but voice. How am I? I have to kind of put something on if I'm to over enunciate my words mm-hmm. like some of our hateful reviewers. We talk about that <laughs> review a lot. I think that that really hit something inside you. Well, it's just it's a funny thing that someone would shit on the show and me specifically. And the re- listen, there's lots of reasons to shit on Jesse. Many, many reasons. One might be Plethora. that I just I talk about myself in the third person. Yes. <laughs> High on the list. But. Of all the things to criticize, of which there are many, the fact that I pronounce my words is is a dumb... Anyway, we'll get off that. Fuck, whatever. Uh, if you'd like to join the ranks of those who Sore also spot. review us, <laughs> if you'd like to join the ranks of them, please go rate and review the show. I say this all the time. If you're listening to the sound of my voice and have not yet reviewed the show on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts, go do it. It helps us out a lot, and we appreciate it very much. Very much. Moving on to a little listener email. Last episode, we talked about BYOB, the informal policy of bringing your own bottle, your own beverage to a party. And we were looking for strategies. We were looking for some sort of methodology to put in place when we go to parties where we don't want the alcohol that we brought to be skeeved by other party goers. Well, we got an email about that very subject. Hey guys, Dave in Mississippi here. I sympathize very much with the problem you recently had with your BYOB beverages disappearing at a party. I have a certain subset of friends who, God love them, tend to take advantage of the generosity of others in similar situations. They are what I and my wife refer to as bums. For instance, I have a number of friends who have, at one time or another, decided to quit smoking. What they really mean is that they have decided to stop buying cigarettes and just bum them off me. Also, many times when I find myself in a situation where we are splitting a meal check, I tend to tip a lot more generously to make up for my cheapskate friends. Likewise, I have often faced the type of BYOB conundrum you described in the last episode, And I have a couple tips. Number one, I bring my own beverages, but I also bring another bottle of something and present it to the host nonchalantly, but preferably with an earshot of other partygoers, in which I say something like, hey, I thought you guys might like to try this brand of Pinot Grigio. Please help yourself. (laughs) This method kind of risks sounding like a dick, especially if no one else brought a gift, but it accomplishes two things. It sends a message that this is for you, the other stuff is for me, so hands off. It also indicates to the host that maybe they should put the house bottle separately from the others so as to indicate that it is not an open bar. Hmm. Okay. Tip number two. Number two. I always keep my bottles, even if opened, inside the brown bag provided at the liquor store. Oh. I sometimes even twist the top of the bag around the stem of the bottle to make it more difficult for someone to discreetly (laughs) rummage through my shit. This, again, has a disadvantage in that you kind of look like a wino, but it definitely discourages people from drinking your booze since they have to deliberately unwrap it to see what it is. Long story short, don't expect people, even your friends, to do the right thing. Because with most folks, as we say down here, their mama just didn't raise them right. Anyway, love the show. Keep it up. Dave in Mississippi. Dave in Mississippi. I love it. The number two tip is very, very helpful. 
I think that going forward into the future, we will most certainly impart that technique because I just don't see, especially Orange County type of people wanting to rummage through alcohol bottles that are stuffed into a, a paper bag. Yeah. And the, the twisting of the top is good, too, because it it really makes them have to dig to, to try to find out what's in there. Maybe even it's a good idea to kind of put some substances or liquids on the outside of the bag. Oh, so, yeah, even better. Yeah, so it looks like, oh, what's on that bag? I don't know if it's safe to touch that bag. Is that somebody's DNA? Yeah. <laughs> Is that a bodily fluid? If so, what type? So that's probably a, a good addition to the tip number two. Yeah. But this email was hilarious, and I was laughing the first couple of times I read it. So this is why we love listener emails because we get to hear awesome tips that we would have never thought of that are hilarious. So now two awesome things are coming out of Mississippi. The lack of an exemption, a religious exemption for vaccines and Dave's BYOB tips. Yep. That is beautiful. Thank you for your email. Moving on. Sean in Denver sent us this. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. I really enjoy the podcast. I live in Denver and I found you guys searching for reactions to local radio nut Dan Kaplis of KNUS. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Remember I made the jokes about K, K anus and K because it's why would they have those call letters? Yeah. Anyway, all right, go yeah. ahead. I'm trying to rehash jokes here and I'm and, getting no support. And have been a loyal listener since. You guys had a great segment on Dan when he postulated on air that no that no true believer in God could be racist. Not sure if you guys take suggestions for topics. We do. But I ran across this interview and had to <laughs> mention do. it to you. On Glenn, on Glenn Beck's Thursday 611 radio show, Glenn had on a rabbi by the name of Daniel Lappin, which, in my humble opinion, was very entertaining radio. Some of the highlights include... Issues of race are a result of lack of belief in God because a secular worldview says we're just animals like all other animals. And since we're not created by God, you become preoccupied with skin color. Sounds reasonable. Very, very reasonable. God doesn't want us to tamper with the dead. It's not that we can't bring people back from the dead, but we shouldn't. It's like Walking Dead episode kind of. Right, right. Nothing is more important to the left than the destruction of the Christian faith. That is true. I mean, I'm not a part of the left or wouldn't consider myself a part of the left, but absolutely destruction of the Christian faith. That's why we have the war on Christmas and Christians, Brittany. The left has Stockholm Syndrome and is attracted to Islam because they're strong and we're weak. <laughs> and Sean's favorite, the rationale that PMS is not actually a result of hormonal factors, but that to a woman, the loss of another egg represents loss of potential life, which in turn makes her sad. And parenthetically, Sean says, I believe the words God-given sadness were uttered. And yes, they were. Thanks for the great podcast, Sean. Awesome. Well, Sean, like we talked about last time, we didn't have time last time, but we did find time. I had to, it was a whole clusterfuck, but I ended up finding the audio, downloading the audio, and we have these very clips for not just you to revisit, Sean, but the rest of the I Doubt It With Dollamore audience, and they are just as good as Sean just described. So without further ado, we're going to play relatively short snippets of a conversation between Glenn Beck and Rabbi Lappin about all of these different topics. This first one, I don't think Sean even mentioned this one, is about U.S. anti-smoking policy and how it is a lot like Nazi Germany. We're, we're the, the 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 ultimate socialist government views us as its property, which is one of the reasons, by the way, that the Nazi government opposed smoking. I mean, you read some of the draconian regulations about cigarettes and cigars now in America, and I'm sorry to say, but it echoes more than anything else Nazi regulations about that. And the reason is because if you belong to us, we don't allow you to damage yourselves. We don't allow valuable cows to rub up against barbed wire fences because we don't want them to do that. We don't want to lower their value. Uh, what's great about this, Brittany and I listened to this the entire segment with this nutball and 
it's not like Glenn Beck has this guy on in a tongue-in-cheek kind of ironic way. <laughs> the entire time that they're together, Glenn Beck is reinforcing what he's saying. Right, praising him. Yeah, just no pun intended, but lapping it up from the <laughs> rabbi. Lapping. Oh, yeah. I like that. <laughs> so they go on, and here's the beautiful thing where they talk about women... The reason that women get sad during their periods, boo, is because of the potential of loss of life. And like Brittany said during the reading of Sean's email, the words God-given sadness were absolutely uttered. That marital intimacy is suspended once a month for a period of time. And, um, and I mean, obviously, it's, it's difficult, particularly for guys, obviously. But to be forced to interact with your wife non-physically for a week is really very valuable. To be in a situation where not every issue can be resolved with an arm around the shoulder and a kiss, but it needs to be resolved with words and communication is enormously valuable. And why is this there? Well, because anybody with any sensitivity recognizes that the good Lord created men with an infinite capacity to produce seed at, at almost any age, whereas he chose to create women with an absolute finite limited number of eggs. And so the loss of an egg every month for any sensitive woman is sad because it's, it's one less opportunity for life. And and so foolish and insensitive people say, oh, you know, it's just a hormonal imbalance. It isn't. It's a genuine, authentic sadness, which which suffuses any sensitive woman at, at, at the loss of an egg. I mean, it's it's you know, it's not the end of the world, but it's it's sad. And well, so I've never thought of it that way, that it is actually a God given sadness because there's right. death. I it, mean, there's it's, not it's, death. It's but a there's, mini. It's a, it's a loss of a potential of, yeah, of life. loss of potential. Yeah, exactly. So. It wouldn't make sense then. In the same way you'd want to keep milk and meat separate, similarly, we'd want to keep the most life-affirming act of which a man and woman are capable of doing. Mm -hmm. We'd want to keep that separate from the moment when there is a subtle, subconscious, but sometimes overwhelming, sad awareness of death. So this is really logical. Scientific, Brittany. So, Scientific. So how many kids then are women expected to have? Because they're losing their well, eggs every month. Don't ask Michelle Duggar because she would be very sad because she's only had 19 or 20 kids. And she's probably lost hundreds of kids over the course of her life. Right. I, I tried <laughs> to research this a little bit to see how many eggs women are born with. And they're born with about one to two million. Oh, wow. I'm saying, but they only release about 400 eggs during their reproductive life. Hmm. So they're losing. I mean, this is a lot of loss of life. Well, you figure if the average American household has like 2.6 kids, that's, you know, 397 kids. 397.4 kids. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, it's really a tragedy. Yeah. It makes me very sad. I have a God-given sadness right now, Brittany, about all of the period eggs that are just being flushed down the toilet. Is that, <laughs> is that where they go, or do they just absorb into the body? Um, I think they. Well, we'll just call them toilet eggs. All right. <laughs> We're sad for the toilet eggs, for the loss of potential life that they could have been. I'm glad that we played the disclaimer in the beginning here because I don't want to be associated with the toilet eggs. All right. Moving on. This is why skin color only matters to seculars, to atheists. People who love God, people who worship God, they don't care about skin color. It doesn't matter to them because they love everybody. Mm. Clearly, that's what God does. Clearly, religious people are peaceful lovers of humanity, Brittany. Yes. But the more you move towards the temples of secular fundamentalism, the universities of America, the campuses, that is where um, consciousness and focus on race reaches intense and almost intolerably unimaginable levels. And so the more you believe that we're here because of an accident of, of evolution, the more you are going to be obsessively preoccupied with skin color. And the more you are focused on the other alternative, the only other alternative, God put us here. Well, if he put us here, then we're all in his image. And it doesn't matter whether our teeth are green or our skins are yellow. It just doesn't matter. That's not the issue. First of all, 
I almost called him Reverend Lappin, but Rabbi Lappin, you've been in broadcasting for a long time. Quit pounding on the goddamn table <laughs> while you're talking. Uh-oh. You're, you're sitting in front of a microphone that picks up noise. That's kind of the design of the, the mechanism in front of your fucking mouth. Quit pounding on the table, creating other noise. So something funny. So you and Rabbi Lappin have a lot in common, Brittany. Right. That's what I'm getting to <laughs> is that I didn't notice that at all. And it's probably just because I'm so used to doing it and hearing it, I guess, in my yeah. in my headphones that I didn't even notice it. Yep. So sorry about that. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on to this one. This will be the last one with the ever intelligent. I mean, listen, if I'm going to go to anybody for logic, rational understanding of the world in which we live. It's going to be an orthodox rabbi. He and Glimbeck are talking in this clip about how the left is only concerned and focused on abolishing the Christian faith. The principal guiding philosophy of leftism um, is the, the abolition of Christian faith. There, there is nothing more important than that. And, and really, what, what we have to ask ourselves is, what sense is there, essentially your question, what sense is there in uh, those on the left um, hurling vitriol at Christianity, which responds with love? <laughs> Are you kidding me? It responds with love, Brittany. Right. In this entire situation with the legalization of marriage or the allowing of gays to be married like other human beings in our country, the Christians have responded with nothing but love. They've been very tolerant and loving and accepting beautiful emotions that they've put forth well, toward the gay community. It's really loving for them to, you know, refuse service to someone because they right. are in love with the same sex. I mean, they don't want to serve them pizza. That's real loving. They Love. do it in a loving way. That's right. Yeah. Which leads us to Kevin Swanson, the original truth wiener. For those of you who maybe just started listening to the show or have heard me talk about truth wieners before, we'll briefly cover what it means. There was a study done with trying to get to the bottom of attitudes toward gays between people who had no animosity toward homosexuality or homosexuals and those who have strong feelings of anti-homosexuality. And what they found was, because they, they hooked up this thing to the, the wieners of these men, some to try to get the, the to, would measure the movement of the penis. Then these men were shown gay pornography, homosexual man-on-man good-timing, and they found that men who held deep, aggressive, vitriolic attitudes toward homosexuals were the ones who responded to the gay porn. And I don't mean responded like their, their wiener recoiled. I mean, it moved. They got a little chub, if you know what I mean. So because of that, I said that the wiener don't lie. It's a truth wiener. And there's a very prevalent character within right-wing, extreme right-wing radio right now, and Kevin Swanson is one of these guys, who every time I happen to hear a clip of him, he's railing about homosexuality. So it makes me wonder if he's one of these guys, if we hooked up a truth wiener machine to him and showed him a little gay porn, if his wiener wouldn't respond as previously mentioned. Well, here he is again, and it kind of plays into what Rabbi Lappin is talking about here. This fear of gays coupled with this new trope that's getting put out there that there is a war on Christians and a war on Christianity. And he takes it to a whole new level. Now the Supreme Court decision coming down in just a few days or maybe a week or two will be indicative as to what direction this nation will take, whether or not Christians will be persecuted, whether Christians will be fined, whether they'll be put in jail in the next four or five years. Critical, critical issues right now affecting the Christian church. Why? Because of the rise of Nero. You say, well, what's the rise of Nero? The rise of Nero is the rise of... Uh, a ruler, a ruling, governing class that is supporting 
the idea of homosexual marriage, which was initially supported by Nero. He's the first one in history that we know of that endorsed homosexual marriage and then went on to torch Christians. Nero is never content to just do his homo thing. He's going to burn Christians. Homosexuality is going to be in the closet or Christians will be in the fire. I wrote an article on this that was published in a Christian newspaper in Colorado in 1992. Long, long time wow. ago. That was well before the homosexual majority took over. And, of course, America has turned to embrace homosexuality in mass in just the last 10 years. It's the, the, the most radical moral shift of all the moral issues in America, the most radical moral shift, according to a Gallup poll that came out just a couple of days ago, the most radical shift was in the area of support for homosexuality. Why? Because Nero is out of the closet, and Nero is hell-bent to burn Christians and endorse homosexual marriage. And I'm going to talk about this in a moment. Tony Campolo has finally come out in full support of Nero. So this is a dividing line for the good and the evil, that which is in favor of righteousness, that which is in favor of Christ, and that which is anti-Christ. What, what is he doing? Is that which is? I don't think he should be adding an S to the that. I don't know, but what is he doing with his goddamn voice? Well, he's, you know, talking like Joshua Furstein, the way that they, those preachers have to talk in order God. to get people riled up. Yeah, it's bizarre to me that he's doing it on the radio, though. I mean, I understand having a little bit of a, a wacky morning zoo DJ voice, you know, something like that. But I don't know. That weird Pentecostal preacher affectation he's adding to his voice is just goofy. But let's address the sum and substance of what he's saying. He is leveling the accusation that gays in America want to kill Christians. Not to metaphorically kill Christianity. They want to kill Christians like Nero did. Roman Emperor Nero, who burned the city and then blamed it on the Christians. So <laughs> all of this, though, seems fringe and seems like outlier opinions. This is extreme right wing. No one normal holds these opinions. Unfortunately, though, that is not the truth. Just before we started recording our last episode, number 132, this last Wednesday, a shooting had just occurred in Charleston, South Carolina. In the early onset of that shooting, no one really, like with any tragedy, no one really knows what's going on. Because it was a black church where the shooting happened, and it was a white suspect they were looking for, the media, rightfully so, kind of went in that direction that it was a race-based crime. Not all of the media, though, and this goes in with what I'm talking about here, that Fox News, on their morning show that very next day on Thursday, were talking about this issue. And rather than take the logical run at this, from a racial perspective, even though I even, I even think it was too early to, to, to assign a race motivation to it, even then it was too early, because we just didn't know yet, they took a different turn. Well, last night's deadly attack taking place at a historic church in South Carolina, the gunman's horrifying attack on faith, killing nine people, including a famed pastor. So if we're not safe in our own churches, then where are we safe? If we're not safe in our own churches, where are we safe? That it's a historic church. This is an attack on Christianity. This is an attack on faith. Right, so they're immediately assuming, well, this had to be an atheist who went in and right. murdered these people. Right. I'm, I'm guessing, is that what the assumption would be? Uh, I guess, or just someone. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It wasn't just Elizabeth Hasselbeck, though. Human puppet boy, Steve Ducey, he also had his particular spin in the same interview. 
and it, extraordinarily, they called it a hate crime. Uh, and some look at it as, well, it's because it was a white guy, apparently, and a black church. Uh, but you made a great point just a moment ago about the hostility toward Christians. So per and it was a church. So maybe that's what they're talking about. They haven't explained it to us. So this is it's just confusing. Very confusing. I'm very I mean, it's not confusing that Steve Ducey is continuing this narrative because he is one to do that. I mean, that is the show. That is the essence of the show Fox and Friends. Oh, yeah. I mean, it might as well be a paid promotional device from mainstream Christianity <laughs> in the form of a morning news show. Right. Well, this is how this kind of lines up. You've got one side of the media. So wanna... let's pause for a second, though. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Come and, on. And go back to actually explaining the shooting oh, and kind yeah, of yeah. who the suspect is at this point. Sorry, and... I get I get wound up. I, you know, it's like I'm a little rubber band wheeled car and I, I started going. So right. So let's, what, let's do that. So what happened is Dylan Roof is the name of this 21 year old white male who went into this. Ju Justin Bieber lookalike. Uh. <laughs> No, who went into this historically black church. Right. And he actually spent an hour in a prayer group with these people. Right. And he had a gun on him that... Uh, Un unbeknownst to them. Right. Early reports had said that his uncle had given it to him for his birthday, but it later came out that he actually had uh, purchased it himself. And he told the police that the people were so nice to him that he almost didn't go through with it. Right. But ultimately, he decided that he had to. And he told the police that he was, quote, trying to start a race war. Right. So this was his intention. That's exactly right. And he went in to kill black people. Right. That is also what he said. And he told the people in the church that they are raping white women. He says, I have to do this. Because you are raping white women and I have to stop you. Something like that. Yeah. So he's been charged with nine counts of murder. Hang on. The reason we know the things that he said is there was an, a, an elderly lady who was there and he allowed her to live so she could tell the story. Because from what I, I've heard, his plan was to kill himself after this. In fact, I heard... From that old lady's relative that that is what he told her. I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. So he this is what he planned to do. It was race based. It was a hate based crime. Right. And so now that we know that the faith narrative should stop. That's because exactly right. I just went to www.kkk.com and something happened when I went there. It said it was scanning my server, which I'm really afraid of. Like now they know me or something. <laughs> um, but on the homepage of the KKK, it says bringing a message of hope and deliverance to white Christian America. America, our nation is under judgment from God. All you see right. all over the KKK website are messages about Christianity. Jesus this, right. God that, right. Right. These people are not atheists. They're no. not making attack on Christians. And they, they pull specific scriptures out of the Bible to justify their particular demented worldview, which is one of the reasons why the Bible is a terrible source to run your life or, or guide your life because all kinds of asshole maniacs can use it, twist it to their particular worldview. So now this attack on faith narrative, hopefully it ends. Yeah, Because please. now we know what we need to know about his motivations. That's exactly right. So what I was getting to is the fact that you've got your media lining up in accordance with whatever their particular flavor or agenda is. You've got Fox News, of course, they take the, the right-wing and sometimes extreme right-wing thing uh, uh, view of things. And then you've got the other side of the media relative to this and other issues like terrorism, global jihad, Islamism. And I, I want to frame this using a clip from Larry Wilmore's show, The Nightly Show. I know you guys don't want to admit that racial stuff is going, that racial stuff isn't going on. But how can there be any doubt when it came out of the gunman's mouth? Let me remind you what he said. 
I want to shoot black people. He told his victims, I want to shoot black people. I think when he says black people, he means black people <laughs> and not Christians. That is exactly right. I support what Larry Wilmore just said 100%. However, he and his ilk, the John Stewarts of the world, the Reza Aslans of the world. I'm actually quite a prominent Muslim thinker in the United States. The C.J. Wurlemans of the world. The Glenn Greenwalds of the world. They need to take note of this. Believe him when he says what he wanted to do. He did what he did because he wanted to kill black people. He wanted to start a race war. He did it because he deeply believed these things. I don't mean to divert from this tragedy, this terrible tragedy, but this could be a learning moment for everyone involved here. The media and these the liberal types who want to continue that narrative that is ISIS and ISIL, they're not doing it f f because of Islam. No, 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 they're not. Listen, believe them when they say it that they're doing it because of Islam, because of what they believe. We need to take them at their word, just like we should take Dylan Roof at his word. So you're saying the conservative media, when someone says, oh, I'm, I'm motivated by racial hatred and, and these are my motivations, the conservative media says, no, nah, there's something else going on. Right, right. Well, it, it's that, but it's also... When the liberal media, when they say, or when someone in, in, a, in the liberal stratosphere says something negative about what ISIS's motivation is, you get this. It's, it's gross. It's racist. No, it's not, Beneflec. Listen to their words. They say they want to fly the flag of ISIS over the White House. They want to start, start slave trading within the United States, which is all based on scriptures in the Quran. Take them at their word. That is exactly what they mean. It is a weird, contradictory type thing that's going on in that certain media outlets want to take people at their word when they say things, and then at times they don't want to. And when you have people that are claiming that they're doing things in the name of Allah and for Allah and for their religion, they're saying it. Right. Just like Dylan Roof said, I'm here to kill black people. Right. Well, they, 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 I mean, it's, it's unfortunate and I know people are afraid to, to make critiques of it, but it seems important. Just like we need to talk about Dylan Roof and what the hell's going on here. That's what I was just getting to. I, I want to, he, he wrote, someone found his manifesto. I'm using that term loosely, but they found his website with all his machinations on it. And luckily it wasn't like 70 pages like Elliot Rogers was right, because <laughs> I have a lot of work to do in terms of reading here on the show. So I'm only going to read the last several sentences. He, he broke it up into like the blacks, the, the East Asians, patriotism, the Jews, of course. He, he says that he wishes we could color all the Jews blue for one day so then everybody could see exactly how damaging they are because you'll see what positions they work in and everything just he's a hateful asshole well and i know people there are some people who say that these manifestos shouldn't be released and they shouldn't be given attention but we will link to it on the facebook page because it is actually interesting to read because it gives you insight into the way that this man's mind worked yeah and I mean, there's no real way to logically uh, argue with someone like this because they just, they're not, they don't have a grasp on reality, but it's interesting nonetheless. Yeah. So his, the last section is called an explanation. And he says this, to take a saying from a film, I see all this stuff going on and I don't see anyone doing anything about it. And it pisses me off to take a saying from my favorite film. Even if my life is worth less than a speck of dirt, I want to use it for the good of society. I have no choice. I am, and this is back to him speaking. I have no choice. I am, in, I am not in the position to alone go into the ghetto and fight. 
I chose Charleston because it's the most historic city in my state. And at one time had the highest ratio of blacks to whites in the country. By the way, this is Jesse now. By the way, he capitalizes whites throughout this entire thing and leaves blacks a, a lowercase. So, and at one time, uh, had, Charleston had the highest ratio of blacks to whites in the country. We have no skinheads, no real KKK, no one doing anything but talking on the internet. Well, someone has to have the bravery to take it to the real world, and I guess that has to be me. Unfortunately, at the time of writing this, I am in a great hurry, and some of my best thoughts, actually many of them, have been left out and lost forever. A doubtful. <laughs> right. But I believe enough great white minds are out there already. Please forgive any typos. I didn't have time to check it. So this was hastily written prior to him going out and committing this heinous act of mass murder. Right. So it's, I mean, calling it a manifesto is kind of loose, I right, guess, right. because it was just a, like a quick Facebook note, essentially, yeah. on his website, where he also had a lot of photos of himself with the Confederate flag on plantations. Burning the American flag. Right. He is not a fan of the American flag. Huge proponent of the Confederate flag, which right. is another issue that this um, this terrible tragedy has sparked, which is a discussion of the Confederate flag because it is currently flying on the South Carolina State House. Actually, that's awesome. I'm glad you brought that up. The This entire Confederate flag thing plays right into the systemic attitudes of racism that are so prevalent in South Carolina and the Deep South. The judge who was originally assigned to Dylan Roof's case has been removed. Well, uh, about a dozen years ago, this was recently found by journalists, he said something in the courtroom when he was advising a black defendant. This was on November 6, 2003, at a bond reduction hearing. He said, there are four kinds of people in this world. Black people, white people, rednecks, and... And then he said niggers. Yes. He didn't say the N-word. He said the word niggers in open court while in the presence of a black defendant. Well, and... And he just said the sentence that I read, which is horrific. What What right. is going on here? This, right. this person is a judge right. speaking this way. He, he, he's in a position of ultimate authority over someone's life. Over the course of what's going to happen to them, whether they get incarcerated or whether they're free. And this is the language he uses. These are the thoughts he espouses in open court. Which leads me to say, and I've said this before, if these are the things that he's saying aloud in public, what is he saying in private to his friends? What attitudes does he hold while in private with people he trusts? It's deplorable. Right. It's shocking. So he's been removed from the case. Thankfully, he's been yes. removed. Yes. But what hasn't been removed, as Brittany mentioned earlier, is the Confederate battle flag, which flies over the State House of South Carolina. Now, something particularly horrific about this is... I hope you're going to say what I think you're going to say, or what I was going to say, because it's it disgusted me. Is the day after this occurred, the American flags were being flown at half-mast. That's right. And there was a picture of the American flags being flown at yeah. half-mast. The American flag and the state flag of South Carolina were flying at half-staff. And the Confederate flag? No. Flying full bore, at full regalia all the way at the top. And then when asked about it, hey, why don't you lower the, at least lower your shitty sign of treason and traitorous activity? Why don't you lower that to half staff? They said, oh, well, that's not on a pulley system. That's permanently there. We can't move it down. Oh, Oh, you mean it's on like some archaic way of getting it up there? Is that oh, because that's it's... an awesome metaphor. I didn't even <laughs> think about that. It's like so archaic that it's just permanently stuck up there. I think we can get it down. Sorry, we can do it. That's pre-pulley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what the hell? Yeah, I don't know. L listen, and this is the last week. The large part of the last week has been a discussion 
about the Confederate flag. Yeah. Mitt Romney has come out and said the fucker needs to come down. Well, he didn't say that. He he didn't say it like that. But it would have been cool if he did. Oh, my God. Real exciting. I would have I would have promoted him his his run for president this year if he had said that fucker needs to come down. (laughs) (laughs) It's a new litmus test for you. But here's the thing. The Confederate flag and said, well, it's not. It's the Northern Virginia battle flag, blah, 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 whatever. It's a symbol of the Confederate nation that tried to overthrow, to secede and overthrow the government of this United States. Over? Over slavery. Right. Over the ownership of black human beings. Right. So I've seen numerous arguments about this. And I think it's the, not hate. It's heritage. Yeah. It's a hateful heritage. Yeah, you asshole. Not a good heritage. Right. So that's the whole point. And it seems very black and white, this issue. So I'm confused as to no how pun intended. Yeah. So I'm, I'm confused <laughs> as to how there is, you know, a reasonable discussion about it. And I understand people saying, well, individuals should be able to, you know, parade around with the Confederate flag. Absolutely. That is freedom of speech. That is the First Amendment. Yeah. Great, easier to identify. I mean, that's exactly people right. People that are not, you know, awesome. Well, it's it's <laughs> like somebody wearing a Nickelback shirt. You know, that's not a guy you want to have beers with. You know so, what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So it flying over the South Carolina State House. I mean, that's government endorsed. Absolutely. No, that is. Listen, South Carolina is a member of these United States. It is a part of the union. It falls under the Constitution of the United States, our official government, our founding document, of which they signed to become one of the original 13 colonies. So they fly the American flag. Then below that, they fly the the South Carolina flag. And somewhere in the middle there, they fly the Confederate flag, the flag of a defunct nation that was overthrown while trying to defect away from the United States. An act of treason. A terrible racist motivation for wanting to get out of the United States. Traitors. It represents traitors. If you fought for the Confederacy, you were a traitor to the United States. Well, and it's... I mean, it's probably not good that members of the KKK have the Confederate flag, travel with it. Right next to their Nazi flags. Right, right, right next to a flag that has the swastika on it. I mean, it's not it's not good imagery when the KKK wants to use it. I mean, it's right. It just seems like common sense. I don't understand. I don't understand. Well, it's not for you to understand because it's. It's terrible. It's unfortunately, it's this. And I don't just mean this is in the South. I mean this is in this redneck, anti-intellectual kind of attitude and reasoning. Listen, where where are the members of the Republican Party who are running for president? Why are they not coming out in full swing against the flying of the Confederate flag? It makes me sad. They claim to be Americans, these same people who scream and yell about people burning the American flag. Where are they? Where are they? We have to rely on goddamn Mitt Romney to be the voice of reason here about them flying the, 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 this traitor flag over the, the, the state capitol in South Carolina. Right. Well, Lindsey Graham wants the flag to stay. Of course. It's, listen, it's disgusting. I don't want to get sidetracked onto strictly the issue of the flag, although it is a it's a prominent one because it, it it's not just the flying of the flag that's a problem. It, it 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 speaks to a larger issue in the South of very prevalent attitudes. Imagine being a, the 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 ancestor of a slave who concurrently still lives in South Carolina, and you have to see that flag flying constantly over the over the buildings which house the government, which govern over you. It's terrible. Well, your boy, John Kasich, do you want to know what he has to say about the Confederate flag? Uh, yeah. He says, if I were a citizen of South Carolina, 
I'd be for taking it down. Ah, yes. That's my boy. <laughs> you well, were nervous, though. Well, it's because I never know. I don't, well, I don't know enough about him to, to really say, oh, he for sure would. But he's reasonable enough that if I'm going to pre- preliminarily support someone for the presidency, even though he hasn't declared, it would be at this point probably... Probably him. Probably John Kasich. So I'm glad. That makes me happy that he said that. But we got a problem in the South. And it needs to be dealt with. And we are really in the middle of a a second leg of the civil rights movement that is very, very important. Very sorely needed. So I want to say one last thing on the please, issue. Please, please. Mike Huckabee on Meet the Press said, I don't personally display the Confederate flag anywhere, so it's not an issue for me. That is an issue for the people of South Carolina. And I have seen people share this same sort of sentiment, which is, well, that's not really my problem. They should deal with it there, and we should all worry about things that are happening where we live. Now, this thinking is completely skewed to me because... What happened in South Carolina could happen in any of the states oh, in which yeah. we live. Racism doesn't just exist in the South. It's everywhere. Right. And this seems like something that everyone should be talking about, that everyone should be upset about. And we shouldn't have this attitude of, well, that's an issue for them to worry about and take care of. No, it's an issue for everyone. Right. Yeah, I, I completely agree. One more reason why Mike Huckabee is an outlier fringe bullshit candidate who's pandering to the extreme wing of his party. Yeah, it's a total cop out to say, well, I don't personally do it. My opinion doesn't matter here. Well, your opinion doesn't really matter anyway, Mike Huckabee. All right, let's move on. I'm sure that the details will be released between now and next episode. and We'll probably still be talking about this. If you have something to say on this, agree or disagree Help us move the conversation forward. Become part of the conversation. 657-464-7609. That is where you leave a fewer than three-minute voicemail. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit.dollamore.com. We look forward to hearing what you have to say. We really, really do. Also, if you'd like to support the show, other than listening twice a week, and we love you, that you do go to dollamore.com on the left hand side of the page there there's an amazon search bar you can search for products there that you're going to buy on amazon and if you're going to spend your money anyway why not support your favorite show coming out twice a week filled with news news (laughs) (laughs) i just followed your lead i don't know what you're doing And ridiculous comment. I'm just teasing. But listen, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening. We're going to move on. So right here in California, land of love, land of everything's okay, land of goddamn sometimes, teachers within the University of California system of universities are told which opinions they should hold and have and express. University of California is condemning microaggressions. These these are supposed brief, subtle, verbal, or nonverbal exchanges that send denigrating messages to the recipient because of his or her group membership, such as race, gender, age, or socioeconomic status. What is this babble? (laughs) Oh, that was Hitchens. (laughs) (laughs) Such microaggressions, the argument goes, can lead to a hostile learning environment, which you see in the federal government view as legally actionable. But of course, the author of this Washington Post article says this concept is now being used to suppress not just personal insults or discrimination in hiring or grading, but also ideas that the UC wants to exclude from university classrooms. That is exactly right. So they're censoring. They don't value academic freedom. They don't. They don't value the conversation like we talk about all the time. They want their particular worldview propped up and no other thing to be discussed or talked about because it's not worth the conversation. Okay, here are some microaggression examples um, that you see professors are provided so that they know that these are microaggressions. Do not use them. There is only one race, the human race. That's a microaggression? Yes. That is fact. That's a fact. America is a melting pot. That's, that's a microaggression? 
I don't believe in race. Wow. That is... That is a wild, a very weird uh, edict to come down from the the president of the UC system. Well, the theme of this microaggression, those three examples, was colorblindness. Statements that indicate that a white person does not want to or need to acknowledge race. Jesus Christ. So if you oh, I'm not racist, that's aggressive. That's aggression. Yes. So another theme is denial of individual racism, sexism, heteroism, a statement made when bias is denied. An example would be to a person of color. Are you sure you were being followed in the store? I can't believe it. Wow. So kind of that one's not great. Well, here's the thing. This is where this is damaging is because if you're tenured as a professor it doesn't really affect you as much because you can kind of do what you want. But if you're if you're on the tenure track and you're not going along with what the those above you are saying, you have to bend to their will, become someone you're not maybe r- to protect your career. So they are by force creating this this weird environment where you will you will teach, you will say, you will promote the ideas that we say. You're not allowed to have conversations in class that are that what we would consider aggression or microaggressive uh, aggressive, I guess. You know what I mean? It's completely ludicrous and antithetical to what the college experience and the collegiate atmosphere should be. So the last theme addressed in this article is the myth of meritocracy. Statements which assert that race or gender does not play a role in life's successes. For example, in issues like faculty demographics. Some of these examples include, I believe the most qualified person should get the job. That's aggression. That's an aggressive. A microaggression. Okay, another one. Goddamn. Go ahead. Of course he'll get tenure, even though he hasn't published much. He's black. Okay, now that's a problem. Yeah, that's dickish. That's not. Yeah, I, I could see that one. So, out of all the things you've said so far, one I've had issue with. Okay, another one. Men and women have equal opportunities for achievement. I think that's a debatable point. I I don't believe that men and women have equal opportunity for achievement. However, to say it is not an aggression or a microaggression. It's just a, you know, it's a statement I don't agree with. Okay, I'm going to read the last four just in succession. Is that how this boils down? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Gender plays no part in who we hire. America is the land of opportunity. Everyone can succeed in this society if they work hard enough. Affirmative action is racist. Wow. (laughs) Goddamn. So the person who wrote this article teaches at UC and they said, well, I'm happy to say I'm just going to keep on microaggressing. I like to think I'm generally polite, so I won't express these views rudely. And I try not to inject my own irrelevant opinions into classes I teach. So there are many situations in which I won't bring up these views simply because it's not my job to express my views in those contexts. But the document that I quote isn't about keeping classes on topic or preventing personal insults. It's about suppressing particular viewpoints. And what's tenure for, if not to resist these attempts to stop the expression of unpopular views so this person must be tenured i'm assuming so because he talks from the perspective of what's going to happen to these people who aren't tenured yet right also he doesn't seem to give a fuck (laughs) (laughs) also that right well Well, since he wrote an article for the washington post about this issue right yeah i mean this you know one of the the top four papers in the country it's he he knows what would be in store if he was not tenured taking care of biz so we're going to have a whole lot of positivity at the end of the show here we love positivity we like to end the shows with positivity. Well, news isn't usually filled with positivity, <laughs> and especially the things that we discussed today weren't very positive. So, like I said, we're going to end it with some positive. Yeah, but ultimately, stuff moving here. the conversation forward is positive. So we are we're acting in a positive 
way by even talking about it. Well, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm not getting you wrong, no, Brittany Page. I'm not. I'm of, getting you real wrong. I'm not one of those people <laughs> who like can't watch the news because it's so upsetting and whatever. Right, right, I mean, right. it's important to know what's going on, but some people like to know about the positive I stuff too. I like to. I like to leave the show on somewhat of a up note, a good a good side. Yeah, you do. Okay, so <laughs> we are gonna start with I don't know. Um, so we're gonna start with. Huffington Post. Oh, that is so positive. Yeah. Oh, my God. HuffPo. <laughs> over at the HuffPo, they have a good news section. And their good news section asked people on Facebook and Twitter, what makes someone a good person? Mm, it's a good question. And so I'm just going to read a couple of the responses that people said because, you know, it's nice to get some opinions from people on <laughs> what they think a good person is. All, All right. All right. I think being a good person is doing the right thing when no one else is watching. I I think that is the sign of a good person. You know that person who leaves an opening on the road when stopping in front of a driveway or throughway so that any car turning in or coming out can get through? That is a good, considerate person in life, such that this thoughtful detail is second nature to them. I, I would agree with that. Uh, I don't know. I think these specific reasons, they're good. But I would say that being a good person is really more predicated upon consistent behavior. Are you consistently doing good most of the time? Is your life marked by people viewing you as, yeah, he's a good guy. I, I really, you know, he's got his faults. I'm hoping people think that of me. You know, he's got his faults, but overall... He's that guy is a lover. He loves people. He wants to do good. He's trying to better himself through all of his mistakes. He, it's like my eulogy right now. I could be writing. You know mm -hmm, what I mean? Mm -hmm. Continue. <laughs> no, You're giving helpful no. notes. Go ahead. Go ahead. A good person to me, not me. This is I'm reading someone. A good person to me is simply someone who tries not to be a bad person. Oh, uh, wow. Really reaching there. <laughs> A good Ernest person fucking Hemingway, everybody. A good person is a person who simply cares. The ability to feel pain that others feel, also the ability to feel joy for someone's good fortune, and making this world a better place than when you entered it by the time you leave it. So that person just says, anybody who's not a psychopath or a sociopath, they're a good person. Someone who can who, who can feel empathy. Oh, everybody's a good person. Right. Okay. Right, I, I should stop shitting on these people. I, I think talking about what is good is good, so... I'll stop. Go ahead. Okay. Well, our listeners can write in and say what they think makes up a good person. I think that's a great idea. Because I'm sure we'd get some good responses from them. Well, once again, let me drop the elusive number that I so often fail to mention. 657-464-7609. Call in with what you think is a good person. Email idoubted at dollamore.com or send us a voice memo from your smartphone to that address. I doubt it at dollamore.com or 657-464-7609. So on this note of what makes a good person, I found two stories that I think really represent what makes a good person. Yeah, let's hear them. So the first one, a man living on the streets in central Pennsylvania has returned a lost purse containing nearly $400 to its owner, a single mother who is on welfare and battling brain cancer. Oh, wow. The man says that he was sitting on a bench in State College waiting to go to an AA meeting when he saw the handbag. He said he opened up the wallet and saw a public assistance debit card and knew the owner was also struggling. He turned the purse over to a homeless shelter, which then tracked down the woman. The homeless man and the purse's owner met on Thursday and exchanged hugs and smiles. The woman said her whole life is in the bag and she is grateful to have it back. Pretty awesome. I think a lot of people, even people who aren't in his dire situation of being homeless, would probably, nah, not probably, let's not go crazy, but there's a lot of people who would have kept that money. Because well, $400, they look at it as, oh, what a windfall for me. Oh, what a great, my karma, it's so great for my karma. But they're taking away from a woman who has cancer and is on welfare. It's, it's, that guy's a good guy. Right. And even, I mean, someone who found it could have taken the cash and still given the purse back because, right. well, he didn't go find the woman and give her back the purse. So she wouldn't even really know who took it. But this is just straight up empathy for yeah. this person's situation. He saw, well, there's obviously evidence here of this woman struggling, you know. Beautiful. Give the purse back. I mean, humanity at its finest. What's next? 
So the next person in taking care of Biz is a 10-year-old girl named Abby Grubbs. She asked that on her birthday, her attendees to her party bring Lego sets, but they weren't for her. She went and handed them out to sick kids at Lutheran Children's Hospital in Fort Wayne, Indiana. That is awesome. She knows about having boring stints in the hospital, having recently wrapped up two and a half years of treatment for leukemia herself, and she wanted to help cheer up kids who were experiencing the same ordeal. She said, quote, I know what it's like to be in the hospital with nothing to do, so I wanted to give them Legos. She hopes the Legos... She hopes the Lego sets will inspire the kids to persevere. Her message being, quote, I know it's tough, but you're going to make it, and it's okay if it hurts because the hurt will go away. So she selflessly said, it's my birthday, but please bring these gifts that won't be for me. I'm going to be taking them to the hospital and passing them out. She's sacrificing her birthday for, for others. That's awesome. I mean, for a kid, a birthday. I mean, for you, Brittany Page, birthday is not that big a deal. No, it's not. But for a little kid sacrificing her birthday and her birthday gifts to give to others is that's that's a massive under that's a huge deal wow good person probably has very good parents too and i'm sure she will continue to just spread goodness on earth goodness on earth that is the perfect way to leave the show listen we appreciate you we love you this all of this would not be possible without your participation in this process, in this moving of the conversation, we rely on you just as much as we rely on the internet for the stories that we get. Um, we can't say enough about how much we love our audience. Loyal, dedicated, participatory. <laughs> we love you. We appreciate you. Tell someone about the show. Stay genuine, everybody. We appreciate you very much. For Brittany Page... I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Mitt Romney has come out and said the fucker needs to come down. 